In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We come to the second uh, Sunday of the of Lent, and we continue our, our theme of risking uh, to come toward the passion of Jesus, to enter into the glorious passion, um, life-giving passion, death, resurrection of, of Jesus Christ, and what it is to be a disciple. And last week we talked about the risk of failure, uh, the willingness to, to, to go into the wilderness, to go into the world, to leave the mountain of transfiguration and to head um, out into the world to, to shine brightly as a light for Jesus. And um, that there's times where we may fail and there's times we will fail and yet we're still called to go. And this week we we look at the risk of of following Jesus in a more in a very more specific way of of what it is to be a disciple of Jesus to give up everything to come after him. And uh, right now our, our lessons have have are sort of jumping around in the Gospels over the past several weeks. If you've been with us, the last week we had to go we started at the baptism of Jesus and then to get to the wilderness. Um, the last Sunday of Epiphany, we're on the Mountain of Transfiguration, which actually occurs immediately following this passage. So we go back. And so where we are right now is Peter's just confessed Jesus as the Christ. Right? Who do you say that I am? Right? You are the Christ, the Son of God. And uh, Mark doesn't go into a big, like, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. But we but we know that from other other places, that this is, this is indeed... Um, uh, an, an opportunity where, where sort of in the same ways that that when you um, learn something in mathematics or chemistry or or any other field where you where you've mastered one part, it's like okay, well now we can now we can move on. Now that you know um, how to add, now we're going to look at carrying. You know these these types of things. We can move on to the next aspect. And, and so the next aspect is now that you understand that I am the Messiah, the Christ is, I'm going to, I'm going to die. And he, and he says plainly, the, the son of man will be handed over to chief priests and to scribes and uh, will suffer and, and on three days rise again. And, and, he, and it says, and he said this plainly. And this had to send shockwaves through them. Right, we finally got to the point where, who do you say that I am? You are the Messiah, the Christ. Exactly. Right, all this teaching, all this time that I've been with you, these miracles, these signs, these, these things that I've done, you understand now that I'm the Messiah, the Christ. Now you have an idea of what that may, might mean, right? Of... of glory of revolution of promise of freedom deliverance but let me tell you the way this is going to come about is is not through open rebellion revolution it's it's going to come about by me being handed over to the authorities and and dying and rising again in three days. And Peter says, wait, no, <laughs> this is not right, right? This cannot be. 
And and Peter says, or Jesus says to Peter, get behind me, Satan, right? Get behind me, Satan. You have, again, the things of the world in mind and not the things of God. Stop trying to accuse me in, in, in a better way for, for it being Satan is, is accuser, deceiver, someone who's trying to detract me away from from the glory and message and mission of God. Stop trying to to detract my mission. Get behind me. You don't have the things of God in mind. And then he he calls everybody around him, the, the crowd as well as disciples, and says, if anyone wants to follow me, he has to take up his cross and follow me. Now this is this is a radical thing to be saying. Um, the cross is, is not hyperbole, right? It's not it's not even it's not even just um, you know a metaphor. It's a living daily reminder that Rome is in charge and that we are under their thumb. The cross is, is used regularly to murder, torture, and publicly humiliate and simultaneously publicly remind the people who are who is in charge. If you are against Rome, if you are a revolutionary, if you are challenging um, Caesar in any way, you will be crucified and put on display for the world to see. In Jesus' own day, only, only maybe 20 years, 25 years before um, where we are right now presently in the Gospels. Uh, Judas Galilean, Judas the Galilean, read, led a revolt uh, along the time when, when uh, Quirinius called for that census. Um, and, and Judas the Galilean said, let's not, let's not sign up, let's not register, let's not go to our hometowns to register and led a revolt. And he and 2,000 others were crucified along the roadside for everyone to see. Every 50 feet, there was a cross that stretched for miles. This is the image of the cross. This is the reality of the cross that that's here in the minds and the hearts of people. It's not, it's not a glorious symbol that we wear around our neck or have hung in our churches. The reality of, of us in Lent, why we, why we veil the cross, is, is to sort of shield us from, from understanding that it was the life-giving um, act of Jesus, the glorious throne of, of Jesus that, that 
brought forth the forgiveness of sins in our lives. And instead, we veiled the cross and lent so that we might be that we might be shielded the same way that those early followers were shielded. Not thinking the cross was glorious, but thinking the cross was horrible, was shameful, was despicable, was painful. And so for Jesus to say, if anyone wants to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life must lose them. And for those who want to lose their life for my sake will find it. Is a real challenge to follow. Right? It's talking about giving every everything up. It's talking about danger. It's talking about sacrifice. And this is what Jesus offers, promises, and challenges all simultaneously. We know now, looking back, that while Jesus didn't intend for all of his followers to go to be crucified, although some were, that that it is an opportunity to, to give up who you are in this world and to enter into a glorious life of, of Christ through the forgiveness of sins, through uh, redemption and, and uh, a broken bondage of, of slavery against the powers of this world primarily sin and death as as we receive the spirit of god in us and so um jesus is offering this this challenge this this call to follow to come and and moreover than just take up your cross that we can easily get hung up on that those early disciples could have easily got hung up on that as they jockey for position and, and other things. Um, we're just called to go the way that Jesus goes, to follow the path that Jesus lays out before us, to recognize that as the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God, that we're just to seek after. And this is sort of that point that that Jesus makes when he says, who do you say that I am? And we say, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Okay. So now here's what's going to happen. And you need to be prepared to walk in this way. Everything that you expect the Messiah to do to bring forth freedom to bring forth an end to the exile and the end of, of foreign occupation and other things, that will happen if you follow me. It's going to happen in this way, and you need to trust me that it's going to happen in this way. Follow me. It's a tough challenge, right? We don't even, we don't even like take up your cross and follow me as, 
as a metaphor of that things are just going to be hard. All right? Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Ugh. I don't want to... I have things that I want to do, right? I have, I have aspirations. I have goals. I have wants. I have desires. And Jesus is inviting us to draw near, to draw closer, and to walk in the steps that he lays before us, to follow. And that's, that's, that's hard at times. Right, I, you could almost say if our Lenten discipline was only to do this, to seek ways in which we can follow Jesus, to come after him, to walk in his steps, to listen, to hear, to go. That would be Lenten discipline enough. That'd be life discipline enough. Because where does he go? Where will the steps of Jesus take you? Will it take you into places that you've been afraid to go? Will it take you down paths that you've been resisting? Will it lead you have to reconcile with a family member that you've not been in contact with? What leads you to forgive yourself for something that, that you can't break free of? What leads you into areas of the city, the town that you've been avoiding as you Decide to work, to relate, to give some of yourself, to lay down who you are in order to bring new life into the lives of the people who live there. Jesus walks in many places, right? What does it mean to follow? For us today, there's little chance that we need to worry about a literal crucifixion. But there are plenty other risks that we can be invited into, that we need to truly take hold of, and of what it means to, to truly follow Jesus, who gave himself up for us, that we might have life, that we might have freedom, of bondage, of sin. So how do we live into this new freedom? How do we proclaim this new freedom? In many ways, it's like going into the wilderness because this is where Jesus is going, right? This is where Jesus leads. Right after this passage, he leads Peter and James and John up the mountain of transfiguration 
So sometimes we're led into this glory. Sometimes we're led to worship. Sometimes we're led to to rest. Sometimes we're led to, to praise and wonder and glory. And then we come down the mountain and we're led into mission and ministry and work and denial and love. When we follow Jesus, we're invited to love, to love our neighbor, to love our enemy, to love those the way that Jesus loved us, that life-giving, self-sacrificing love. And how do we come to this place? The glory is it's, it's not by our own power. It's through the power of the cross. Through the power of the cross, the gift of the Spirit, that we have the ability to follow Jesus follow Jesus. It's a risk. And one I pray that each of us begins to think about the ways that Jesus is calling you. We've been doing um, quite a bit of work in the, in the sacred ground classes of, um, for, for racial reconciliation of what's next. And we don't, we don't know what's next, although we know that there's going to be something right? Um, In the same way, we know there's going to be something as we come back from this coronavirus, and there's going to be things that God calls us to. One of the the important aspects of this class, um, for me at least, has been just to be open to be listening. And, and And the long and the short of it is, if we're open and listening to Jesus, and we're open and listening to one another, we're open and listening to our neighbors, then Jesus will lead us and we need only to follow. It's not, it's not easy, but it's simple, right? I mean, hear the voice of Jesus, see where Jesus is leading and follow. Um, it's simple, but it's not easy and it's a big risk. But one, I, I think our parish and uh, our congregation is up for. And one I pray that you will join us in. And so um, let us pray that God may fill us with power and grace and glory to follow. Lord Jesus, we pray that we may take up the invitation. So take up your cross, take up our cross and follow you. May we walk in your steps. May you lead the way clearly, for it is difficult enough to risk, Lord, when we don't know where we're going. So make those pathways clear and give us the courage and the willingness to follow you wherever you may lead, that we may be your witnesses that we may be your ambassadors for the grace and glory of the kingdom of God, which you brought forth into this world. For it is in your precious name we pray. Amen.